I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Jesse, and if you're new, I am not the lead pastor, but I have the joy and privilege of being the next-gen pastor here at X Church, which if you're not familiar, thank you. If you're not familiar with what next-gen means and you associate that with, like, technology or something, I'm not the tech pastor, um, what that means is next generation, which is just fancy words for saying, I get to help lead and oversee our kids and youth ministry. Uh, how many of your kids wore their Christmas PJs to church today? Isn't that fun? Man, I love this time of year because we get to do fun stuff like that. Like, your kids can come in their pajamas, and it's completely socially acceptable. When throughout the rest of the year, that'd be a, a little weird. Sorry if you've done that before in March. I just offended you. Um, but yeah, I love this time of year. And I'm sure like you, the last couple weeks of December, kind of the, really the last couple weeks of the year, is my absolute favorite time of the year. And there's so many reasons for that, right? You know, the little bit of extra time, maybe you get off of work, the extra time to be more intentional to spend with family and friends and make sure that they know you love them and you can connect. And, you know, maybe for some of us, it's one of the few times that we actually get to visit our family because they live far away. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of a sweet tooth. And uh, so this time of year, I love because Christmas cookies and uh, rum cakes and gingerbread men and all the other stuff. Um, is awesome, and it, here's, here's the best part, that Christmas for us is in the winter. You know, if we lived in Australia, it'd be different. That it's hoodie weather, you can wear a couple extra layers, so if you pack on some hibernation weight, is what I call it, it's fine, nobody notices, and you got plenty of time to burn it off by the time spring rolls around. You know, I love uh, the presents in Christmas, right? One of the new things for my wife and I, we've got little kids, and so that's kind of uh, sparked the Christmas cheer back into us of like watching their little faces light up. We have a, like a 20-month-old named Cooper, and he loves anything cocomelon. Um, so if you want to get him a gift, just get him one of those little watermelon things. You know what I'm talking about? Parents know what I mean. And he'll light up. It's so fun, right? I know the Bible says that it's more blessed to give than receive, but I think it's pretty blessed to receive too. I like getting gifts, don't you? I love this time of year. There's so many reasons to love it. Can I tell you one thing about this time of year that I absolutely hate? And it's not exclusive to the Christmas season, but it's, it's at its worst at the Christmas season. And that is, it gets dark so early. Can I get a witness? Man, depending on what kind of work you do, you leave the house, the sun's barely up, and you're on your way home, and it's down already. It's dark all the time. It's daylight for like three hours. It was funny, last week, my wife and I, we were driving around, and I was yawning. It was dark. I'm like, it's getting late. I'm ready for bed. You know what time it was? 4.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> what is going on? It's dark all the time. Would you believe me if I said that darkness is the exact reason why the Christmas season is so significant? And I don't mean the Christmas season like the gingerbread cookies and the lights and the trees and Santa and all that. But I mean, for us as Christ followers, the reason we celebrate this season, that Jesus came down, took on flesh, and was born as a baby, that darkness is actually the reason that is so significant to us. Let me show you. So if you brought your Bible or an electronic device, go with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Now, I'm willing to bet that a lot of us in here, I say Isaiah chapter 9, and it's, it could be Lamentations 37 for all you know, which, by the way, doesn't exist. But I'm willing to bet as soon as I read some of it or tell you what some of it is, you actually know Isaiah 9 really well because it's one of the most quoted scriptures around this time of year. You know the phrase, for unto us a child is born and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of... That, you've heard that before? That's Isaiah 9. 
There's one part in Isaiah 9 in the beginning that's not quoted nearly as often, but I'd love for us uh, to look at. And that's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. It says this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, you've probably figured out already that all of Isaiah 9 is talking about the coming Messiah. This is back in the Old Testament. Jesus wouldn't arrive on the scene for hundreds of more years, but this is talking about his eventual arrival. And he's saying that, hey, there is a light gonna dawn in the darkness. And what Jesus actually does is when he arrives in Matthew chapter four, actually, he quotes that passage in Isaiah. He says, hey, remember when Isaiah the prophet said, hey, there's gonna be a light dawn in the darkness? Well, it happened because it's me. And I'm sure you've heard those words before. Like, if you've been around church, if you're like me, I grew up in church, went to a Christian high school. So I'm very familiar with the terminology of light and darkness in the Bible. It's all throughout, right? Maybe you're like me. I have always read these verses one way. And that is that light means good stuff, right? That's the stuff of God. That's righteousness. That's purity. That's doing the right thing. That's all that, right? So that would mean darkness is all the opposite. Darkness is unrighteousness, is evil, is sin. And so when you read this verse with that in mind, it's like people walking in evil need good stuff. I'm sure that's true. But in uh, researching for this message, I actually wanted to look up some of those words. Sometimes I do that if I want to better understand uh, what a passage means. I'll go look at it in the original language. And so this passage was written in Hebrew, and that word darkness is the word hosik. I'm going to put it up. Yeah, I think that's pronounced Hosek. That's got a lot of dots and dashes and stuff that is not in normal letters. So I think it's like algebra. When they start adding letters to numbers, you're like, what, what am I supposed to do with this? That's how I feel about that word. But I think it's pronounced Hosek. And that word is not most accurately translated as evil or sin or badness. But actually that word for darkness that's used in that passage could actually be translated as ignorance, a lack of understanding, and despair. Ignorance, a lack of understanding, and despair. And I was like, that's really interesting. That kind of changes the way, at least for me, that I read that verse. It's not this idea of a bunch of bad people need some good stuff in their life. It's more like there's a bunch of people that are wandering around lost, trying to find their way without any help. And then I kind of chuckled as I was preparing so you mean like people that are walking around in darkness with no light? Yeah. <laughs> I had to go all the way back to Hebrew to get to what it says in English. Like literally people that are walking around in darkness with no light. Because darkness creates confusion. I'm sure you've experienced this before in your life. You wake up in the middle of the night. You don't want to wake up all the way. You know, you want to go back to sleep really fast. So you kind of, if you're like me, I keep one eye closed because now I'm still half asleep technically. You don't turn any lights on. And inevitably, especially if you got kids, there's a Lego, there's a Hot Wheels car, there's, I don't know, whatever it is on the floor, and you inevitably step on it every single time because you're walking around in the darkness. I was talking about this uh, idea with my wife, and she reminded me that when our oldest son, Milo, was about the age of our younger son, um, he learned how darkness creates confusion in a very real way. So she was getting him up from a nap, 
And of course, his room is dark because it's nap time. We don't want the light to disturb him, whatever. And they turn the light off, and Milo, with that toddler confidence, right? They know no fear, knows where the door is, but the door's not open. So he just runs to the door, and because it's dark, has no idea that the doorknob is right at forehead level and runs directly into it, cries, and for about a week has a gigantic bruise on his head because darkness creates confusion. And I kid you not, on Friday, two days ago, our son Cooper, the younger one, who right now is about 20 months old, was up in his crib. I'm not making this up. This actually happened. And I'm not really sure what happened because I wasn't paying attention to the monitor, but I heard a crack, like loud. I'm like, oh, jeez. And then, of course, he starts screaming. This is what I think happened. He was standing up in his crib because he was awake. And you know how they bounce? Because, you know, you haven't got him. You're like, oh, it's fun, trampoline. Right? He does that, and he has a little um, stuffed uh, animal. It's actually Zuma from Paw Patrol for all the parents that know who that is. And I assumed that he bent down to pick it up, but didn't realize again because it's dark that the crib rail was right here and bent down and smacked his head right on the crib rail. And right now, if you'll see him, maybe after this experience out in the foyer, he has a line bruise right across his forehead. And I said, thank you, Cooper. Now I have a sermon illustration. But the reality is, is what Isaiah is saying is that that's what it's like without Jesus. It's wandering around in darkness. And then the same way I kind of look at Milo and Cooper, I wonder if that's the way God looks at some of the pain in our lives and in our world. Like kids that are wandering around in the darkness trying to find their way. Like, you need some light. Turn the light on. Don't run around in the darkness. You're going to get hurt. And maybe that some of the pain we see in our world is due to the darkness that people are walking in, not because of ill will or ill intent, but literally people are just trying to find their way and they're doing their best. And sometimes they get hurt. Sometimes we get hurt. But what light does is light brings clarity to confusion. You've experienced this, right? You ever have a power outage at your house, right? And then you suddenly just don't remember the layout to your house? You're like wandering around and it's completely dark and you're like, I swear there's a wall right here somewhere. You ever do this walk? You don't want to hit your face first. Like it's, something's out there. But then as soon as the lights come back on, you're like, oh yeah, it's right there. Light brings clarity to confusion and that is what Jesus is to us. And he actually outright says this in John chapter eight, verse 12. I know you've heard this before, but I'm gonna put it up anyway. It's, I am the light of the world. This is Jesus talking. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is saying, hey, I don't want you to walk around in darkness. Stay close to me. Follow me. Walk with me. Because if you walk with me, I am the light, so you won't be in darkness. And as I was preparing, maybe it's because I'm in the Christmas mood and I feel like having some fun. It's the week before Christmas. Is it okay if we have a little fun? I brought some stuff with me. Um, for whatever reason, this cart makes me feel like I'm a magician. So for my first trick... No, I'm just kidding. You don't want to see me try magic. It'll be really disappointing. But when I read this verse in John 8, this is what I thought of this time, okay? Let me get it out. This is what I thought of. A lantern. And what's cool about this lantern in particular is it's actually real. And maybe it's because I'm a millennial, um, but I have never seen one of these in real life before. Um, so I'm going to try and light it up. Just bear with me for a second. Don't worry. I'm a professional operating within the confines of my training. Not really, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn last night. 
Remember those commercials? Those were stupid. All the young kids are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. What's a Holiday Inn? It's like an Airbnb, but different. But this is what I imagined when I read this verse where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Follow me, and you won't walk in darkness. And maybe you're like me again. I'm sure whether you've been in church ever before, you've heard that verse before. You're at least a little bit familiar. And maybe you're like me. I've always read that one way. And when Jesus says, follow me, he's meaning follow my example. Do what I do. Live your life the way I live my life, and then you'll be in light. Almost like when you're young and there's snow on the ground, you're going sledding or something, but the snow is like too much for you to handle because you have little legs when you're tiny. And it's like, all right, I'm going to walk in the footprints that are already there. That's what I imagine this verse. Jesus is saying, walk in my ways. And definitely that's true. Jesus is the perfect example of how we should live our lives. But I don't know if it's because I was thinking of a lantern or because God just opened my eyes for, of a new way to read this verse. But can you just imagine for a second? Let's say we were walking through a, you know, a dark woods, right? We're going hunting for some reason. And it's dark outside because that's when you go hunting. And I have this lantern. What do you have to do in order to be in the light? You have to be close to it. And so what if walking in light is not just about doing the right thing, but it's about proximity to Jesus? What if walking in light is not just getting everything right all the time? Because we all know we're not gonna do that every second of every day. But what if it has more to do with just being close to the light? What if Jesus is saying, hey, literally, come walk with me, be with me, and you'll be in the light? And can I say, I think maybe that's why some of us can maybe relate to that feeling of being in the dark. Could I just propose that potentially you maybe feel like you're walking in darkness a little bit because the only time you stand in the light is for an hour on Sundays, but then the rest of the week you, you treat Jesus like he's a campfire, you know, leave him there, and then you try to wander through the woods in the darkness. You feel lost. And I kind of love it how Jesus says, follow me. It almost gives this picture like, like a lantern, like he is trying to lead you somewhere. And so if you're not working to stay close to him, if you're not actively being a part of life with him and staying in the light, then he's trying to lead you somewhere. And maybe your walk with Jesus kind of looks like this. Like he'll try to lead you, and he's gotta wait for you to take the steps he's trying to lead you. And then it's like this, get a little closer, okay? He's like, all right, let's take another step. All right, good. But instead, he said, hey, how about you just walk with me? Because I'm trying to lead you somewhere. And I want you to go with me. And you know what's interesting? This is not the only place throughout scripture, or Jesus even, uses this imagery of light and darkness. In Matthew chapter four, I told you earlier, that's where Jesus references this passage in Isaiah where he says, hey, you know the light that was gonna dawn? That's me. And then immediately after that, in Matthew chapter five, he uses the light and darkness analogy again, but he uses it differently. He says this, Matthew chapter five, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. I thought that's interesting. Because you've heard this, but let's think about it for a second. How is Jesus saying that he is the light of the world, right? And that makes sense. Jesus, you are the light of the world. You are the light that has dawned. But then also look at his followers in Matthew 5 and say, 
but you are the light of the world. How is that possible? And I think the answer is actually in John chapter 8. I'm going to put that back up. John chapter 8, verse 12. You don't have to go there. I'll put it up. I know we're jumping around a lot. He says this. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. We read this already. But then look at this. He says, but we'll have the light of life. And I think what Jesus is saying, hold on, let me, give me, let me get something else out here real quick. I think what he's saying, this is me and you. You smell good, by the way. He's saying that, hey, if you'll stay close to me, you'll be in the light. You won't have to be in darkness, but you'll be in the light because I am the light of the world. But then he says, then you will have the light of life. And so not only are you going to be in the light if you will stay close to me, but also you will become light. And my light will get inside you and my light will go with you. You do smell good. This cherry blossom or something like that. Well, let's keep reading. This is what he continues to say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 15 through 16. Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on its stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, everybody say that word with me. Let. Let's try it again like we know what we're doing. Let. B minus. Instead, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Okay, so this is what Jesus is saying. Again, I brought a whole bunch of goodies today. We're having fun. Okay. Jesus says, nobody would light a lamp, or in this case, a candle, and put it under a bolt. Why would, imagine you go to the in-laws later this week, and they get out the brand new Bath and Body Works, Candy Cane Lane, Christmas Noel, whatever weird fragrance it is, and they're like, oh, you're going to love this candle. It smells so good. It's going to put us in the Christmas spirit. And then they light it, and they do this. So anyway, for dinner, I was thinking about, you'd be like, uh, excuse me, why, why did you do that? Or maybe some of you were like, that's par for the course for my in-laws. They're, they're a little weird. But he says, nobody would do that. Instead, you're going to put it up on a stand so that everyone in the house, everyone around, can enjoy it, can get light from it. And then he says, well, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they can see your good deeds and they'll praise your Father in heaven. And I'm about to do something very dangerous, and it has nothing to do with fire. Don't freak out. Um, I'm not much of an English person. Um, I was much more of a math and science guy in school. But I'm going to attempt to give us a quick English lesson. And my wife teaches English to fifth graders, so she helped me out. That word let, I think, is really important. And that's a verb, right? Right? It's a verb. But most verbs are action verbs, right? They require something. You throw, you kick, you run, you jump. does something. This verb is not like that. What do you have to do to let something? Nothing. It's a passive verb. So what Jesus is saying, hey, let your light out. It's going to do that anyway, but just don't stop it. And I thought that's weird. Jesus, why would you tell me to not stop my light if it's going to do that anyway? If I don't have to do anything, same way this candle is like not trying to be a candle. It's just lit. It's on fire, and it, it does its thing. So why would he tell us, hey, let your light out? Let it shine. 
Can I tell you the only reason he would tell us that is because our natural tendency is to do the opposite? And I was thinking about this, and I really wrestled with this this week. Of, okay, what, is, what does that mean? What is this? Because I'm like, I'm not intentionally like mean to people. You know, sometimes maybe I get a little bit of a temper if I'm a little hungry or whatever. Or need a nap. All just grown toddlers, basically. But I'm not like doing bad to people. So how, how am I covering up my light? And can I tell you something? This thing is called status quo. Because the reality is, is that when light enters a situation, it causes disruption. You can't turn a light on in a dark room and not everybody notice. And so when our light tries to come out, us trying to maintain status quo is what covers it. And can I tell you, just be real with you for a second. I was really convicted by this this week. Because I probably, more than I would care to admit, probably cover my light up more than I put it on a stand. And I think it looks something like this. Because Jesus said, your light's trying to come out, right? Just let it, let it. It's happening all the time. Just let it come out. And in those little millisecond conversations we all have in our head, we cover it. And this is what it looks like. You know what? I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. I should probably call them. I should probably text them. Just see how they're doing. I wonder, you know, just let them know I'm praying for them. I love them. I haven't seen them in church in a little bit, but, you know, it's, it's all good. Nah, that would be so weird. They're going to think I have ulterior motives. They're probably fine. They're just busy. Life, right? Life. I have life. It's, it's fine. It's fine. I'll just, it's fine. If they needed something, they'd reach out. Or, you know, Pastor Tim's message a couple weeks ago really moved me. You know, where he said, if you're a guest until you say yes. You could take a seat or take a towel, you know. You know, I, I could serve in ex-kids. You know, the kids are fun. They're cute. Who doesn't love kids? I mean, today they have their Christmas jammies on. It's so cute. They always come home with these cute little crafts. I could help with that. I could do that. It'd be fun. But, you know, I am really busy. And, you know, they, I don't know. It's, Sundays is one of my only days off. And I'd have to be here like a whole extra hour and a half. And the reality is, is man, I don't. I don't know how much I know about faith or Jesus. So what if one of these four-year-olds asks me a question that I don't know how to answer? That'd be embarrassing. You know, they have enough help. They do a great job. They don't need me. They don't need me. It's, it's fine. I'll serve eventually. Or maybe this. You know what? Me and my friend had that falling out all those years ago. And I know we were mad at each other. And I know that the holiday season, I don't know, they've been on my mind lately, you know, it's, it's probably God putting them on my mind, but, you know, if I text them, as soon as my number pops up on their phone, they're going to immediately get mad, they're going to remember all those feelings, and all I'm going to do is just make everything worse, and so I'll just, I'll let sleeping dogs lie, and just like that, in order to maintain status quo, not cause any disruptions, you and I cover our light. And could I just say that your light might be the very thing that that situation or that person needs? That Jesus didn't put light in you for no reason. He put light in you so that you could go light up dark places. And like I said, when you interject light into a dark situation, it's going to shake things up. 
And if you're like me, I'm pretty chill. I like to kind of stay out of the spotlight, which again, I always love to say that when I'm literally in the spotlight. It's going to shake things up when you put light into a situation. And uh, uh, do you know uh, the little LED candle lights people put in their windows? It's around Christmas time. It's not exclusive to Christmas. Maybe you have them in your house. You know what I'm talking about? They plug in. They sit in the windowsill, right? Okay, well, I'm an Enneagram 5, which basically means I like to learn about stuff and think about stuff. So one day I got curious. Where did that come from? Because it seemed to have a heritage. So one day I looked it up, and there's lots of different places that claim to be, hey, we take credit for that. We started it. One of them is, I think it's in Scotland. People would put a a candle in their window if they were accepting to having missionaries come in their house when they were being persecuted. It's like a little secret message. Hey, come stay at our house. It's okay. Okay. But one of the other places that is said to have started this whole trend is in Paris in the 1500s. It was actually signed into law that if you lived on a street, for us more of a sidewalk because cars didn't exist yet, but if you lived on a street and you had a window facing the street, you had to have a candle burning in your window during the nighttime hours. And what that would do is if everybody put a candle in their window, then it would provide enough light for the street. Because again, way before electricity, way before street lights. And I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Even though it was signed into law and they had to do it, it's like a cool picture of like community, right? Together, you put a candle in your window, I'll put a candle in my window, and then we'll create light for the street so people walking down the street at night can see. And then as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of that. And I was like, man, what a powerful image of the church. That our light combined to light the way for people to meet the light of the world. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we just finished a series called This Is Us, where we talked about our mission as a church is to help people get on the path to God. Maybe I'll just say, interject the Christmas version is, we're gonna light the way along the path to Jesus. Because there's people in your life that need your light. And Jesus is saying, hey, let it out. Let it come out. Stop covering it. Let it out. Now, as I was preparing, maybe this is the cynical part of my brain, but I imagine maybe what some of you are thinking. Like, oh, Pastor Jesse, that's so cute, the candle, and it's very Christmassy, good job. It's all red and white, it matches, good job. I can tell you work with the kids, don't you? But maybe what some of you are feeling is, yes, I understand on an intellectual level what you're saying. Yes, I understand, I have light, and I am the light of the world. But the reality is, is the situation that I'm in right now, the things I'm wrestling with internally, has me in a really dark place. This is my first holiday without that loved one. This is my first holiday after my divorce. And I don't know if I have a whole lot of light to give. I feel like my light is going out. And I don't know if it's accurate for you to say that I'm a candle that's gonna provide light to an entire room. And hopefully you know that as I was preparing this message, I thought about you. I thought about the people in this room that I just described. And uh, I want you to know I think you may be being hard on yourself. I think you do have more light 
to give, then maybe you even give yourself credit. But just for a second, let's go with that train of thought for a second, all right? So maybe you're not a candle, all right. Maybe you're like, okay, maybe I got a little spark. A little spark, maybe you're a match. Is this not the biggest match you've ever seen in your whole life? <laughs> I wanted you to be able to see it, so I bought a big one. I'm not a candle. I don't have that much light. Maybe I got a little spark left. Just a little, just a little. Can I show you something with this match? Uh, I said earlier, I'm more of like a, a math and science kind of mind. Um, so I wanna do a little science experiment. Does that sound cool? All right, four of you are excited, cool. All right, here's what we're gonna do. In a second, I'm gonna ask them to turn down the lights in here. Completely dark, just for a second. Try not to move around too much. I just don't want you to get hurt. It'll be like literally 20 seconds. All right, let's go ahead and make it dark in here. And then as it's dark, ooh, spooky. Now, I'm gonna light this match and I'm gonna ask you a couple questions, okay? Ooh, that sounded cool. All right, simple question, don't overthink it. Is there more darkness in this room or is there more light? I mean, darkness, obviously, right? That's not a trick question. Maybe this is what some of you feel like right now. I'm just, I'm one little match in all this darkness. How is my little light gonna change anything? Let's turn the lights back up. Doesn't that smell good? You smell that? I smell it. And then all of you that are concerned, this is going into water right now, okay? Everything's fine. I told you I was gonna do magic. I lit a match, fire. Now he said, there was a lot more darkness in this room than light just a second ago, wasn't there? So can I ask you a very simple question? I mean, we're looking at like third grade science here. Why then did all of that darkness not come in and smother that light? You're like, because that's not how it works? Exactly. That demonstrated a very simple and profound truth, and I hope that if you're in a dark season that you receive this. And that is this. Light, no matter how small, is always more powerful than darkness. Light, no matter how small, is always more powerful than darkness. Let it out. Let it shine. Let it shine. I remember the, remember the little nursery rhyme, nursery rhyme Sunday school, whatever it's called. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Yeah. What if we made that more than just a cute little Sunday school rhyme, but we actually made that a prayer this Christmas season? That as our entire culture community is thinking about the light of the world, whether or not they know what that means, that we together will light our lamps to make clear a path for them to find themselves at the light of the world. Your light is enough. Your light is enough to do that because your light comes from the light. And the light has overcome the world. Let it out. Let it shine. Would you all stand with me? I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna pray that God would use us to do exactly that. That God would use us. Just like the, the towns, the streets in Paris, hundreds of years ago. That our light 
would shine out together and that that would do something far beyond what we could imagine. That it would lead to more and more people finding themselves standing in the light this Christmas season. I'm gonna pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for sending the light of the world into our darkness. God, that we don't have to fumble around in the darkness anymore, but we can have the light of life because of the coming of Jesus thousands of years ago, that we're still standing in light today from what happened all long ago. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I wanna say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.